Support comes from Pacific Science Center, working to inspire the next generation of scientists and increase access to STEM education statewide through digital discovery workshops, science on wheels, and summer camps. More ways to support these efforts at PACSci.org. Support comes from Gather Pottery, hosting ceramicist Sarah Anderson, teaching a weekend sgraffito workshop for all levels, May 18th and 19th at Gather Pottery in Interbay. Learn more at gatherpottery.com. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Wednesday. This is Seattle Now. If you think it's been warm this winter, you are right. December's temperatures broke records. And that means we're going to see less snowpack. Deputy State Climatologist Karen Bumbacco is here to bring us up to speed on weather patterns and what's ahead this winter. But first, let's get you caught up. Seattle's citywide representative is also the newest council president. A mostly freshman slate of council members elected Sarah Nelson Tuesday to lead them into the next term. Nelson is a former council staffer who owns Fremont Brewing. She was first elected in 2021. New council members have their work cut out for them. They'll need to navigate a host of thorny social issues like homelessness and addiction alongside a new transportation levy and police contract. The council also has just a few weeks to appoint someone to replace Teresa Mosqueda, who won a seat on the Metropolitan King County Council. Despite how treacherous it can be to ride a scooter or bike in Seattle, people took a lot of rides in 2023. Seattle Bike Blog reports there were a record 5.1 million rides on rentable bikes and scooters last year. There are a bunch of services you can rent from, but by far the most popular pay-per-minute rental was through Lime, accounting for 64% of rides. Now, if we could only get people to stop leaving them on the sidewalk. And if you're hoping to catch the Huskies National Championship game against Michigan next week in person, be prepared to spend. The Seattle Times reports even the cheap seats are $900. Want to sit near the 50-yard line? It'll cost you more than three grand, And you still have to book a hotel and a flight to get there. So throw in another 1000 for airfare and a few hundred more for the room. If you don't want to blow your emergency fund on one game, you can catch it Monday on ESPN. Go dogs. I layered up to walk to the light rail this morning, and by the time I finished my trek, I was sweating. I was too, too warm. Now, that's not too surprising given the increase in temperature we've been experiencing. In fact, December temperatures in Seattle were the highest on record. We're in an El Nino year, and the light mountain snowpack is bad for snow sports enthusiasts and our water supply. Deputy State Climatologist Karen Bumbacco is here to help us understand what we've been seeing and what these warmer temperatures will mean long term. Karen, glad you're here. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. So good to talk to you, Karen. And you know, this winter is different. It has felt surprisingly warm when you step out the door. Let's get some perspective on what's going on here with the weather. Yeah, so December, you're exactly right. December temperatures across all of Washington state were 
between three and six degrees Fahrenheit above normal. So that's a, a pretty strong monthly anomaly. We don't have the rankings for the state in yet. Those will be available next week. But it's been warm in Washington across the whole northern tier of the United States for December. It was the record warmest at SeaTac Airport, Olympia, Quileute, the second warmest in Bellingham. Um, so definitely warmer than usual for December. Yeah. And it's not just us, right? This is the entire United States. Exactly. And I think the key player here is the El Nino that we have going on in the tropical Pacific Ocean. That is historically, especially across the northern tier of the U.S., causes warmer winters. Whether this will remain for the entire winter, we'll we'll have to wait and see. All right. I'm curious about what you just said, because I read a report from NOAA last month that said we could potentially experience a historically strong El Nino season. What would that even look like? And has it been playing out? It has been. Yep. And we have a strong El Nino in the tropical Pacific, and that looks to be on track through the spring. Okay. All right. So we did know ahead of time it was going to be this El Nino winter. Is the change surprising? I'm not that surprised by how warm December was. It was unusually warm, but I would expect the winter as a whole to be above normal as well. All right. Well, let's talk about the snowpack because this is a pretty big deal. The spring and summer runoff from winter snow is a critical part of our water supply. The last time I checked, we were still in drought. So what are we looking at now and what does this mean? So the warm temperatures mean that the precipitation that we did see in December mostly fell as rain rather than snow in the mountains. So our snow is much below normal for this time of year. Average statewide, it's only at 45% of median as of January 2nd. And several of the stations that monitor snowpack are at their record lowest for this time of year. Okay. So normally we would see a lot. There is still time. So let's talk about the potentials here because just like the weather. Things are always changing. They're always changing. One of the really cool things you can do with the National Resources Conservation Service, so they're the folks that monitor our snowpack, is so they have these plots you can look at, and you can look at all the historical snowpack data that we have for Washington State. And you can see where we are currently, and then look at the historical record to see, you know, if we were to get you know, just normal from now through the end of the year, where would we end up on April 1st? Well, and the bad news is we're so low right now that even if we were to get as much snow in January through March as we saw in the top 10% of snowiest years, that's what it would take to get us to normal. We would really have to see a lot of snow between January and March to get us to normal. All right. So an extraordinary amount. Karen, let's talk about where we were a year ago. Yeah, those were good times compared to where we're where we are now. Um, we're really in contrast to what we saw last year. December 2022 was much colder than normal, and by the start of 2023, we had a statewide average snowpack of 92% of median. So there's really been a big difference in terms of our winter temperatures between last winter and this winter so far. Okay. So we had this record warm December. What does it look like for the next couple of months, Karen? 
Yeah, so the Climate Prediction Center, they do seasonal outlooks. And for January through March, it is looking like we have a pretty good chance of above normal temperatures continuing across all of Washington. Um, there's a pretty high confidence in the in this forecast. So, um, you know, they're not just saying slight odds. They're saying it's a really good chance that um, January through March will be warmer than normal. For precipitation, this one is more uncertain, um, completely uncertain here on the west side of the state in terms of how that precipitation will go. Um, But there are slightly higher odds of below normal precipitation east of the Cascade Mountains. All right. So warmer temperatures, less precipitation. That means we are likely going to be in drought. How should we be thinking about this as citizens of the state of Washington, Karen? Well, the good news is Seattle Public Utilities doesn't have their restrictions on watering anymore because... We did so great. (laughs) We did great. (laughs) And even though our snowpack is looking dismal, we did receive about normal to above normal precipitation for December. So that does help reservoirs. So that is good news. It's not all terrible regarding snowpack. But of course, as you mentioned, you know we use snowpack snowpack for irrigating and for fishing streams and all sorts of other um, things later later in the spring and summer. Um, So it's just, I think uh, continuing drought is a pretty good bet. And we can start to think about potentially uh, extending the drought advisory that is existing throughout all of Washington and maybe even some drought declarations as well. Yeah. And it's never a bad idea to be conservative with your water use. Deputy State Climatologist Karen Bumbacco, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Today's episode was produced by Jenny Cecil Moore. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Vaughn Jones, and Claire McGrain. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.